On May 14, 2008, a 19-year-old man from Marshall, Minnesota, leaves a college party and gets his car stuck in a ditch somewhere outside Porter, Minnesota. He phones his parents and tries to get help. He stays on the line with his father for 47 minutes, then screams an expletive. The line cuts off, and he has never been seen again. You're listening to the Mysterious Brews Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Brandon Swanson. Welcome to a deep, dark, dank, moist basement somewhere in the bowels of Georgia. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start this off with the tasty beverage that has been procured, which is one of few that we can obtain. This this actually spawned the the case. I found this beer at a large store in Kennesaw. And I was like, oh, shit, it's from Minnesota. We can't get Minnesota beer in Georgia. Now we can. So we're drinking Loop Ulin Brewing Company's American Style Pills. And (laughs) it's good. Now we have a new Patreon patron. And this patron just so happens to be a fellow podcast. Nice. And they paid for the whole year up front? Up front on the $10 tier and saved themselves 20%. Nice. And that is the podcast, The Portrait of Knox. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Portrait of Knox. Yes. I'm going to have to look that up right now and put it in my list. Right. Of Knox as in K N O X. Uh, Okay. Let's see. Christmas interview with Brother Reed. What is this? Oh, cool. It is Welcome to the Portrait of Knox podcast, the podcast where I read The Picture of Dorian Gray by Oscar Wilde out loud every other week. Why am I doing this? To practice doing different voices so I can be good, be a good DM for my friends when I run my D&D campaign. DM means dungeon master. And because I've wanted to read this book for over six years now, I also provide a mid-episode segment I like to call The Whiskey Corner, where I try local spirits and give my layman's take on them. However, I include a sober episode option for those who may be in recovery. That's actually not. That's very good. Or would just prefer to only listen to the book and my comments on it. In the bye weeks, I'll be talking about quotes from other books, video games, and movies that have moved me in some way, or I will be doing interviews with guests. Come join me, won't you? Well, considering that I've always wanted to read The Picture of Dorian Gray, and I never got around to it. I am subscribing. Where's the subscribe button? Oh, they changed that shit all around. <laughs> it's the plus button. Yep, there it is. I subscribed. That's awesome. Thank you very much. And I got a new podcast. <gasps> Yay. Now that he's giddy. <laughs> okay, so now to the case. If you say to yourself, self this sounds familiar. Well, we did an episode on Brandon Lawson in Texas where he had the 911 call and a stiper coming on both sides and you can't understand him because he's so country, which is a very bad for him. Don't get that confused with this case. This is Brandon Swanson, not Brandon Lawson. 
but they both disappeared without a trace and both had weird phone calls. So it's not unreasonable to get these two cases confused. Now, Mr. Swanson after was 19 years old at the time, and after graduating from Marshall High School in 2007, he enrolled at the Minnesota West Community and Technical College. He was interested in studying wind turbines, so he chose to attend the Canby campus as it had a wind energy technology course of study. Dude, this, is, this, this beer is really good. Can't recommend it more. Classes ended on May 13th, and he went out that night with some of his classmates to celebrate the end of the semester. He started his night at a party in Lind, a small town located about seven miles to the southwest of his home in Marshall. He later left Lind and headed 35 miles northwest to Canby, a drive that should have taken around 40 minutes to complete. He said goodbye to his friends and sometime after midnight headed for home. He was extremely familiar with the 30-mile drive from Canby to Marshall as he made it almost every day. The entire drive is done on one road as the two towns are directly connected by State Highway 68. There is hardly any traffic in the area, and the drive would normally take less than 35 minutes. You said 40 earlier. Is it 40 or is it 35? Stop misleading our listeners. Now, Brandon ran into some trouble on his drive. He accidentally drove his Chevy Lumina off the road and got stuck in a small ditch. He made repeated attempts at freeing the car but had been able to get it unstuck. After repeated calls to his friends went unanswered, he called his parents at approximately 1.54 a.m. No, he didn't want to do that because there's going to be a lot of questions he probably didn't want answered. I mean, didn't want asked. You know, why are you at, why are you, are you drunk? Are you dead? What's going on? You know. Why in the hell are you calling me at almost 2 a.m.? Yeah, which I, I mean, I can't speak specifically about the relationship with his parents. He could have had a great relationship with his parents, but I just know 19-year-old me would not have wanted to call my mama. No. For any reason, being stuck at that late. Nope. He reassured his parents that he wasn't hurt at all, and they and there didn't appear to be any damage to the car. He just needed help getting it back on the road. So his parents, Brian and Anita Swanson, told their son they would leave right away to help him free the car. Brandon gave them directions to where he was waiting with the car. He was midway between Lind and Marshall. Going by what he told them, Brian believed that he knew exactly where he needed to go about a 10-minute drive from their home. It didn't take long for Brian and Anita to arrive at the location they believed Brandon was at, but... He was not there. Nor was his car. They called Brandon on his cell phone and told him to keep an eye out for them. After a couple of minutes, they started honking their horn and flashing the headlights of their pickup truck hoping that Brandon would be able to spot them. They were he did not. Right. They were surprised when Brandon said he couldn't hear their horn or see any lights on the road. They questioned him again, but he was certain that he was on the same road they were. Brandon decides to start flashing his headlights. Through the phone, they could hear the clicking noise made as he's turning his lights on and off. They peered out, hoping to see a glow in the distance, but they couldn't see anything. Mm-mm. So this is alarming to them. Doesn't make any sense. Definitely alarming. 
because they are surrounded by wide open fields. There was no reason why their view of Brandon's car would be obstructed. If he was on that road, they should have been able to see him. Well, that only leads us to one conclusion. Brandon wasn't where he said. Brian and Anita remained on the phone with Brandon the entire time they were searching for him, and he was starting to get aggravated. He was sure he had accurately described his location to his parents. He couldn't understand why they were unable to follow his directions. They insisted that they were exactly where Brandon told them to go, but Brandon was certain they were the ones who were confused. Finally, his frustration reached a boiling point, and he hung up on his mother. She calls him right back and apologizes. Given the situation, his frustration was understandable. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Though Brandon had initially thought it would be best for him to stay with his stranded car, he was convinced his parents had somehow ended up in the wrong area and weren't going to be able to find him. No matter how many times he repeated the directions, they didn't seem to understand. Tired of waiting, he decided things would go quicker if he could get to wherever his parents were. Yeah, he's going to see, like, not headlights, but, like, lights in the distance, like city lights, like street lights, stores, whatever. And he's going to start walking in that direction. He assumes he's seeing lights from the town of Lind. Mm -hmm. So he tells his parents it would be easier for him just to walk to Lind. And he told his parents to meet him in the parking lot of a bar. Brian agreed. He dropped Anita off at home and he drove to Lind. Brandon is still on the phone with his father as he walks, updating him on his progress. He said that he was walking along a gravel road and that he had taken a shortcut through a field. At one point, he mentioned that he could hear running water coming from somewhere nearby, though he couldn't see anything in the darkness. He just continued to walk towards what he assumed were the lights of the town of Lind. Brian could do little more than listen as Brandon narrated his journey. Suddenly... Shortly after 2.30 a.m., he heard Brandon cry, oh, shit, and the call disconnected. Done. He gone. And until, and even at this point in time, he has never been seen again. He's never been heard from again. Now, frantically, Brian tries to call his son back and is not able to reach him. He called five or six times in quick succession, but all attempts went straight to Brandon's voicemail without ringing. In order for that to happen, either Brandon had turned his phone off or something had happened to render the phone inoperable. Hold on, let me do the math. Yep, that checks out. (laughs) (laughs) Brian wasn't sure what to do. He drove back and forth over the same stretch of road numerous times with no success. There was no sign of Brandon or his car. Just imagine what his dad's feeling right now. It's just sheer panic. Yeah, heck yeah. That's awful. Annette and Brian started calling some of Brandon's friends, and they came out to help look for him. They searched throughout the night, driving down various side roads and scouring the area of any sign of Brandon's car. After a couple of hours went by, they were certain they had thoroughly searched everywhere that Brandon might have gone. They drove back into Lynn and checked the bar parking lot, on the off chance that Brandon had somehow managed to make it there, but it was dark and empty. 
By 6.30 a.m., Brian and Annette were out of ideas and beginning to panic. No, 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 no. The panic ensued way before now. Oh, shoot, yeah. They were certain something had happened to their son. Unsure of what else they could do, they called the Lynn police to report Brandon missing. Annette and Brian may have been frantic with worry, but it quickly became clear that the police did not share their concern. And here we go again. Brandon was an adult, and he had the right to go missing if he wanted to. Yeah, that's true. 100% true, but you've got to pay attention to the context. That's what pisses me off yeah. in a lot of these cases. Listen to what they told you. We were talk- I was talking to him on the phone. He screamed, oh, shit. His, car, his, his phone turned off, and he's gone. That's a little bit different than, hey, I'm going to go. I mean, you know, ugh, it's just so frustrating. And his mother tries to explain this to the police, saying, look, I'm not being overprotective. He was on the phone with his father, and the phone went dead right after he said, oh, shit. Yeah. So finally, a couple of hours later, after initially reporting him missing, the police and Lynn decided to get off their ass and agreed to open a missing persons case. Just, oh, God, it's just frustrating. After a cursory search around the town, police felt fairly confident that Brandon was not in Lynn. A search of the roads leading into the town also failed to yield any sign of him. As far as they could tell, Brandon wasn't going to be found anywhere in the vicinity. So Brian and Anita continued their search for his car, certain that they would be able to locate him locate it when the sun came up. But after several, several hours of searching, they were not able to locate it. So police obtained Brandon's cell phone records, hoping that that would help them pinpoint the location of his car. They made a startling discovery. Brandon hadn't been found in Lynn because he had never been anywhere near it. The call to his parents that evening was made near Talton, another small town located along State Highway 68. Talton was on the main route to Canby, but it was northwest of Marshall, and it was 25 miles away from Lynn. So clearly Brandon was mistaken. He had made a wrong turn somewhere thinking he was near Lynn when he wasn't. So he was giving bad directions to his parents. Yes. While Talton is nowhere near Lynn, it made sense that Brandon would have been close to it as he was traveling home from Canby. Less understandable is why he had still been in that area around 2 a.m., leaving Canby on Highway 68. It is a 13-mile drive to Towton, and it would normally take about 15 minutes. From Towton, Brandon only had another 17 miles to go before he would be in Marshall. If Brandon left Canby... Right after midnight, like his friends believed, it somehow took him nearly two hours to drive only 13 miles. That, that's pretty freaking strange. Only having the information from the cell phone records, the search for Brandon was shifted to the area surrounding Towton. It didn't take long for investigators to locate the car. It had been abandoned in a ditch off a gravel road just over the Lincoln County line and about a mile to the north of Highway 68. Investigators searched the inside of the car thoroughly and found nothing that suggested that Brandon had been injured. It was clear Brandon had accurately described exactly what had happened when he called his parents. The only thing he had wrong was his location. He told his parents he could see lights in the distance that he thought were coming from Lynn, but it was Towton. Yeah. 
Now, the car's resting place was surrounded by grass and gravel, and there was no discernible tracks to show which direction Brandon had walked when he left the car. Well, I would walk towards those lights or towards that town because that's what he said he was doing. Right. You would think that's a no-brainer. Yeah. You, it's not, I mean, anyway. Now, looking at his cell phone records, when he called his parents, the call had been routed through a tower near Minnesota, another small town on Highway 68. Minnes- no, I'm sorry, Minnesota. <laughs> Good God, I wanted to put an S in there. You're like, Minnesota? Minnesota's not a small town. No, Minnesota, <laughs> which is another small town on Highway 68 located about four miles southeast of Towton. An extensive search was launched with searchers concentrating on the area that had been pinpointed by Brandon's cell phone records. Helicopters flew over the area looking for anything that might be relevant. A team of bloodhounds were brought in, and they were quick to pick up Brandon's scent. They followed the scent trail nearly three miles as it skirted past fields and headed in a west-northwest direction to an abandoned farm. The dogs continued past the farm and headed along the Yellow Medicine River. When they reached a certain point, they indicated that Brandon had entered the river at that spot. The water ranged from knee-high to around 15 feet. Even if he had entered the water, it didn't necessarily mean he had drowned. It was possible that he could have made it across to the other side, but dogs were unable to follow the trail any further. Now, you may jump to conclusions and be like, well, clearly he just fell in, and that was when he said, oh, shit, because he slipped. He didn't... He'd, he'd mentioned he heard running water, and he but he said he couldn't see it because it was dark, and he was on the phone. He wasn't using a flashlight on his phone because he was on his phone. It's easy to assume that he fell in and didn't get back out, but there's still a lot of unanswered questions, even if that is the case. Keep going. Now, worried that they, he had fallen in and drowned, they searched an area that was about two miles extensively of the river. If he had drowned, his body would have been washed downstream, but searchers found nothing at all. There you go. If you drown in a river, most bodies are found. It's it's pretty uncommon for a body not to be found after a drowning incident. Am I correct or incorrect? Correct. Unless it's freaking Lake Lanier in Georgia and there's a million corpses down there. True, true, (laughs) true. true. (laughs) But in a river... Yeah, you're probably you're probably going to find the body downstream, and that's just not the case here. Now I have to give kudos to Sheriff Jack, and that's only that's the only way he's referenced. He spent thirty days of his own time walking up and down the riverbanks and could not find any sign of Brandon. So investigators determined that it was unlikely that he had actually drowned there, because, like Coach said, they would have found his body. Or at least something to indicate a piece of clothing, uh, just anything. I'm I'm coming up blank for evidence of a body, but you know, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Shoes, socks, clothing, a, a slide hat. of something. You know, because it's going to leave a mark if you fall off the yeah. edge of the river. Yeah, that would be. Yeah, if he would have slipped in, probably would have been. Yeah, my mark of some kind to give you an indication. I don't know. The official search ended after a week, but. Brandon's family continued to search on their own. On May 24th and again on June 7th, around 100 volunteers joined Brandon's parents searching to the south and east of Porter. 
Some of the searchers used ATVs to be able to cover more distance, while others walked and rode horses. Despite their extensive search, they found no sign of Brandon. They again searched in the fall once all the fields in the areas had been harvested. Cadaver dogs were brought in to assist, and though they seemed to be following a scent trail into the area northwest of Porter, they eventually lost the scent and nothing was ever found. Just doesn't make any sense, man. Now, winter shows up and snowstorms and frigid temperatures, so they suspend the search again. By this time, they had searched 122 square miles without turning up any trace of Brandon. That, um, that's strange, man. Seriously. Now, a tip line was set up, and they had about 90 leads, but none of them led to Brandon. All told, the search had involved 500 volunteers, 34 dog handlers from nine different states, and countless hours of searching. Brandon's case was then handed over to the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Investigation in 2010, and from that point on, they would be leading the case. They focused their investigation around the Mud Creek area, which is a tributary of the Yellow Medicine River located directly north of Towton and to the northeast of Porter. While they didn't find anything, they continued to search there periodically over the next few years. And that is basically all the evidence and the facts that we have. So we get to, you know, talk of a whole bunch of conjecture, man. We can make shit up and be like, oh, man, there's aliens. Well, guess what the first one is? Aliens? Nope. Oh, He staged his own disappearance. Here's the thing. And because I, I have done research on this. To successfully disappear in this day and age, or even then in 2008, it takes years of planning. Years. And there is, there would have to be some sort of, unless you're just a complete sociopath, you're probably going to have somebody get wind of it. You know what I'm saying? They're going to notice changes in your behavior. You're planning something. You can't just disappear off the face of the planet. Purposely. You, th- there's too much stuff tied into your identi- identity. Well, and the other thing is he had just received his certificate in the wind energy course. He had no problems at home or at school, and he was enrolling in a school in Iowa to continue his wind energy degree. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> he wasn't in any kind of legal trouble. He was close with his family, obviously, if he can call him at 2 in the morning. Yeah, and to do that, if you're going to purposely disappear to do what he did if he did disappear calling your parents at two in the morning and going oh shit and hanging up your phone and never talking to them again is kind of especially staying on the phone for an hour is exceptionally cruel if you ask me exceptionally cruel i don't know man there's no i don't buy that one at all i mean no one has used his debit card the cell phone his social security number nothing so you're telling me this 19-year-old kid somehow had the forethought and the planning and the cash to create a completely new identity and run off and disappear. I know I couldn't even make my own dentist appointment when I was 19. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, I, No, I don't buy it. Now, another theory was that he was struck and killed by a car while walking and the dri- driver 
panicked and picked his body up. That could have happened, but my uh, uh, argument against that would be he's on the phone with his dad. He's been on the phone with his parents off and on for almost an hour. You would think he'd be like, oh, well, here comes a car. I'll just get help from them. And the cell phone records show that he's cut through a field, and he told his father that he had cut through the field, and the tracking dogs both indicated he was not on the road. There you go. The, the, the dogs will mean, what if the person that hit him drug him there? And true, but... But he did state out loud to his father that he was in a field, blah, 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 blah. So that don't check out. Well, you would also think that if he was struck by a car... There would have been tire marks, blood, pieces of the vehicle. And the father would have heard more than, oh, shit. You would hear, you know, you'd hear some sort of commotion. That was a terrible car car wreck impression. I'm saving that one. (laughs) I will say that the, the most obvious conclusion is that he fell in the river and was swept away and drowned. That does explain why he said, oh, shit, he fell. It does explain why his phone automatically cut off because it went underwater and shorted out. But then again, you there's no explanation to why nothing has ever been found. Well, and that's the thing. It's possible and quite probable that his disappearance was nothing more than a tragic accident. He attempted to make his way on foot through, like you said, darkened fields and side roads. There were no street lights to guide him. There was no houses or businesses he could use as landmarks. He was surrounded by corn and soybean fields, and they would have all looked alike in the dark. He also mentioned to his father that he could hear the running water while he was walking, though he didn't seem concerned about it. It's possible that he did slip into the river at some point, but it wouldn't necessarily mean that he drowned. He could have gotten up out of the water confused but still alive and here's my thing if if the water is loud enough to be heard it's audible it's audibly flowing if you're approaching it it's going to get louder correct and i mean granted i i have unfortunately had to walk a a considerably large amount i have had that this exact situation happen to me i got my car stuck on a very rural rural road, it was dirt, not even gravel. It was a dirt road, and I had to walk about seven miles in the dark. And thank God for my... I had no signal, so I was using my flashlight on my cell phone. If I didn't have that, I mean, I broke survival protocol. You didn't so, stay put. So did Brandon. Survival protocol would state that you hunker down and stay with the vehicle because it's big and most likely going to be seen, especially if it's on the side of a road. He could have just slept there that night and chilled out and been okay in the morning, but that wasn't the case. He he may have not even thought it was a survival situation. He was confident of where he was. He was just mistaken. Yeah, and if he had fallen in the river... I believe being wet and cold, hypothermia would have set in, and then his body would have been found. You go back to animal attacks, but an animal attack would have left evidence as well, and his dad would have heard him cry out instead of saying, oh, shit. Yeah, and in the amount of time between 
like, okay, if you're lost in the woods and you're get you're a victim of animal predation, in a fairly quick time, there's not going to be anything left of you to find. However, they find his car in such a short amount of time. They conduct a search in such a short amount of time that if an animal would have killed him, they would have found bones. They would have found torn articles of clothing. They would have found something. And then people turn to, well, it was foul play. But there was only 135 people that lived in Towton at the time, and only 175 people lived in Porter. Most of the area's farmland and houses are few and far between. It would have been impossible for someone to be lying in wait, just hoping someone would walk by. I'm not saying, I'm not going to say that they were lying in wait, specifically waiting for someone. Maybe they just saw this as a, you know, an opportunity. They, they noticed that this person had broke down and they noticed that he walked away and they're like, oh, hell yeah, man. You know, just like they stumbled upon the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house by happenstance, maybe they found this house. I'm not a house, but I mean, they found Brandon stumbled into the wrong place at the wrong time. And that's quite probable. Yeah. Now, Brandon has been missing since May 14th of 2008. He was 19 years old at the time, five foot five inches and weighed around 125 pounds. He had brown hair and blue eyes. He was last seen in Canby, Minnesota, wearing a pair of blue jeans, a blue striped polo shirt, a black hooded sweatshirt that zipped up the front, and a white Minnesota Twins baseball cap. He was also wearing eyeglasses with silver frames, as well as a sterling silver chain. He was carrying a black Motorola cell phone, a wallet, and car keys. If you have any information on Brandon, please call the Minnesota Bureau of Criminal Apprehension at 877-996-6222, or you can email them at bca.coldcase at state.mn.us. Now, okay, you, you, you know, that was something you should have said at the end, but I still want to talk about how did he get so turned around? How did, that's basically his hometown, right? I can pretty much tell you how to get anywhere in my hometown and not get confused. Now, the question would be, how did he get confused? Was he intoxicated? Well, had he been drinking at the party and nobody wanted to admit it, admit it, that they let him drive away when they shouldn't have? But his parents have never indicated that he sounded intoxicated. I mean, if you're, if you're so intoxicated that you get yourself turned around and lost and confident that you know exactly where you are, pretty much you're not going to trick your parents. You're not going to be able to speak to them for an hour for an hour, and not let it slip that you're intoxicated. That would be something I would, I would point to, that he had to be intoxicated. There's no way he got that lost without being drunk. But again, no indication from anyone that he was. Nobody at the party said he was. The parents never said he was. I mean, and this also will be silly, but if you're drunk, you're going to have to take a piss. Well, I mean, it's possible during that time he pissed and didn't say anything. But, I mean, I mean you could. I mean, his parents, long periods of silence. His parents, what are you doing? You I'm taking a leak. You can keep talking while you're pee-peeing. Well, I'm just saying. I do it all the time. <laughs> I'm t- He's yeah. doing it now. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, my cord's got to get shorter to keep him out of the bathroom. This just, it's, it makes no sense. 
for there be no trace of him whatsoever. No, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's like he stepped into a void. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what I'm going to end up getting at. Is is it possible that he literally stepped into another dimension, stepped into a void, stepped into something? Could it possibly have been aliens? Hell, he could have been abducted. Hell, no. That's what I'm saying. Travis Walton. Yeah, they dumped his ass way away from where they took him. Yeah, exactly. If you don't know that, watch the movie Fire in the Sky, and it'll fucking give you nightmares. That scene. The jelly. Yes. <laughs> Golly. <laughs> anyway, it's maybe he said, oh, shit, because the spotlight of the UFO hit him, and he knows he's going up. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm just saying that this does not make any logical sense. Yeah, there's no rational explanation that you can give as to why he's not been found or anything that he had on him had been found. And I wanted to do the contact the authorities because that that listed what he had and that was not listed anywhere else. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the chain, you know, the phone, his car keys, his eyeglasses. You would think something like that would be found eventually. But I mean, you just can't logically disappear off the face of the earth. It just doesn't happen. I mean, well, we can say that it just doesn't happen, but we've covered cases where it happened. <laughs> Correct. I mean, so, I mean, what do you think? I don't know. There's not one that, this is one of those where you start saying, oh, I think he did this. And then, well, if he did that, well, how do you explain this? And I don't know, man. It, it's... It, this is a head scratcher for sure. I, the most plausible thing is he fell in the river and his body was washed further than they think it was washed. And but still, somebody's going to find something. You would think. I don't know the area. Is it that rural for many, many miles on that river? Is it? Is it a case of he was scavenged after he drowned, or he succumbed to hypothermia, hypothermia, and he was scavenged way further than they ever thought a body could travel? Now that's interesting. That that might that might have some legs to it. That's the only thing that I can come up with that is plausible. You know, all the other stuff we kind of shot down as we were discussing it, well, yeah. but that's the only shot, thing. Yeah, we shot down an alien abduction. <laughs> Not really. I mean, that is plausible. <laughs> is it, though? Well, <laughs> usually they don't return. They don't keep you forever. Correct. Just ask those cows on Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah, they do not like that one area of the field. <laughs> <laughs> they get pneumonia in the middle of summer. But the people that were searching for them, t- I would assume, are, are are good at their job. Yeah. They would know to look further down the, the river based upon the, the flow of said river. I agree. Right? Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's the only thing that I can come up with is that that river carried him further and faster than they thought was capable. But again, you would think something would have been found. There's nothing, man. Makes no sense to me. Yeah, me either. Well, it's a pretty short episode because we don't fucking know. So recommendation time, and this is one that I kind of recommended several weeks back, but it concluded kind of today 
It is the Fox Hunter podcast, and it deals with the unsolved murder. It's, it's Rhonda Sue Coleman, and they it's the same guy that did In the Red Clay. Oh. And it is very well put together, and he leaves it open, hoping that more evidence will come forth. But episode 10 dropped last night. So if you have not started that one, please give that one a lesson. A lesson. A lesson. lesson. I'll teach it a lesson. You teach it, boy. So what you got? I'm going to recommend that everybody get on the YouTube. Not YouTube. Hulu. Get on Hulu and give yourself a treat and start re-watching, because I know everybody's seen it. Everybody start re-watching King of the Hill. I love that show. It is good. I have been watching, re-watching it, and man, it is just, it is probably the best cartoon ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm real, for real. I love Family Guy. I love The Simpsons, or I used to love The Simpsons. This shit sucks now. I love all kinds of cartoons, but you just can't beat King of the Hill. We are going to treat you with, since it's almost spooky season, the top five. Halloween movies. Yeah, it doesn't necessarily, not necessarily scary movies or horror movies because I don't give a fuck. It's our list. We'll do whatever we want. Correct. You're like, well, movie's not even scary. Like, fuck you, okay? I like it. I like it. So number five. Am I going first? I don't care. We can rock, paper, scissors to see who goes first. I'm just asking because you kind of pitched it to me. I'll go first since I usually go last. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one... Terror in today's standards, it's awful, uh, production wise, but I think it's the lack of production that makes it so damn scary. And the fact that I watched it by accident when I was eight and it fucking scarred me for life. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, that shit is scary. I don't even really like scary movies, but that one I do like because it reminds me of a time when I was young and innocent. And I wasn't after that. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one's not scary, and I love it just because it's slapstick, kind of. But it's the remake of The Addams Family, the movie. The remake? The cartoon? No, 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 no. The before It was after the black and white TV show. You were talking about the one with Raul Julia? Yeah. And the, so you're talking about The Addams Family movie? Yeah. Yeah. That's what we're talking about. Okay. So I You said, didn't have to say it was, I don't know what the hell you were There was an original mo- black and white movie. Huh? Go there to, was not. It was a TV show. Go to number four. It was a TV I'm show, stab you with a idiot. Pen. Oh, now I'm stupid. Yeah, because it's a stupid movie. Why would you even put it on your list? Because <laughs> I like it. Number four, The Blair Witch Project. That is my number four, too. Really? Yes. That scared the shit out of me. The, I mean, again, with the low production. Yes. It's like... And at the time, it was perfect marketing. People, you didn't know if it was real or not. No. I was convinced that this shit was real. Like, God damn, they're going to show people getting murdered on a screen. What's your number three? Well, I got to go with number three because that's your number four as yeah. well. My number three is the Adams Family. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> with Raul Julia <laughs> and uh, Christina Ricci, who, whew, boy, I love Christina Ricci. That's a great movie. I haven't seen the remake, the cartoon remakes. Is there any good? I don't know. I've not watched it. I ain't either. Number three for me scared the shit out of me, kind of like your Texas Chainsaw, and it was the original Poltergeist. I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Never seen it. Ugh. It's, it sounds scary, though. I've heard bad things about it. 
that and The Exorcist. I think those are pretty well-known scary movies. Yeah. Okay, my number two, Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> because I love Ernest. Ernest Goes to Camp such a great movie. If you haven't seen it, do yourself a favor. But Ernest Scared Stupid, classic. If you say Hocus Pocus, we're not friends. No, we're not. <laughs> this is a lesser-known movie that came out in the late 80s, and it's called The Monster Squad. I've heard of that. And it is... I think I've seen it. It's not... You're old, though. Yeah. It's, it's probably not... Too, I'm probably too old for me. No. Because I'm pretty young. It never, I'm only 40 now. Oh, okay. I fucking turned 40 last week. <laughs> Good job, Coach. Ugh. The thing with The Monster Squad is that it's a bunch of kids, and then they fight these monsters... And it is hilarious. I love that movie. I could watch that movie over and over and over again. I, I, I think I've seen it, but I can't remember. I can't remember it well enough. So, my number one, if you say his name three times, he appears. One of Michael Keaton's finest works. Yes, hands down. Beetlejuice. Freaking love Beetlejuice. No, no, me said that. I know this is hard to be like. Come, oh, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> but that's my number one too. Really, I love me some Beetlejuice, Dude, man. That is awesome. Anytime it comes on, I have to sit down and watch it. We not only had two of the same movies, they were in the same, same spot. Oh, Look at us being besties. That's why we're friends. <laughs> one of you, but that's why. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Hopefully, you enjoyed our. Top five Halloween movies, in our opinion, because that's the only opinion that matters on this podcast. <laughs> if, you did, <laughs> if you didn't like it, kiss my booty. <laughs> yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. And deuces. <laughs>